Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the teenager investigating a strange noise to my machete in the face, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. I haven't watched any, well, yeah, I haven't watched any horror movies yet. It's 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 Halloween. I need to get on that. I, I, yeah, you I got one. I got one. I just, we haven't done it yet. <laughs> you wouldn't have to be referencing current political situations, would you? Oh, oh, well, now things just got dark and sad. I'm going to go for a second. We're not going there, though. So, as always, we're going to start off this episode with a big old thank you to our patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on and the servers humming and keep our awkward and yet somehow amusing humor on the air. Our humor is far from awkward, sir. Like, like between two ferns, that's awkward humor. (laughs) I love that show so much. Oh, my God, I love that show. (laughs) So, Jonathan, let me guess. Is it time to talk about the day of the month? The day, the day of the day. It's not even the day of the month. The day of the, the day of the day. The day of the day. Happy National Make a Dog's Day Day. So you just like supposed to pet your dog and give him a treat and give him some love? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, on October twenty second, uh, uh, you have the opportunity to give all dogs the best day of their life. The day not only encourages visits to shelters, but is also a reminder that animal lovers everywhere to adopt instead of shop to a new pet. And if you have one already, then, uh, yeah, go go do stuff with your dog and make their dog's day day, too. I like it. I like it. I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah. Brought to you by its corporate sponsor, Subaru. Yes, Subaru. Apparently, they made National Do- Make a Dog's Day day. I don't know why. Kind of makes my day. But you know what? We're going to bill them for that. I think that's only fair. I had a Subaru and it was fantastic. I've heard Where's nothing but good stuff about Subarus, and I am a big fan of World Rally Championship. And Subaru has a long and storied history in the WC. Why? Why, why are we giving them free free advertising? You started this. I'm. So, I was hoping to get money, but but we're not going to get money. They're not going to respond to my bill. I'm not even going to make one, and we both know it. I kind of want you to just put one in and see if they pay it. <laughs> not for any kind of meaningful amount either you know just just enough that maybe they will actually cash out the uh, invoice not enough for somebody to sit up and go wow that's not a good idea we need to not do that what's a round number here i'd say less than a thousand wow that, that could pay for the server time for years exactly <laughs> this could work man it's a big corporation they don't have time to look at every last couple hundred dollar bill <laughs> just enough to get us through you know like 2020 see if you can pay for the 2020 server time <laughs> i already have sir all right well as always it is time for us to hop into our first segment our off the shelf segment this is a segment where we tell you about all the wonderful things that we've had off of our shelves onto our tables and into our hearts and minds robert Let's kick it off a little bit differently than normal. I'm going to say let's start with reading. 
Oh my. Sorry. You know why? Hmm. Because of Dune Watch 2020, baby. Oh, oh my. So where were you at in Dune Watch? I finished the first Dune book and promptly began the second Dune book. Mm. Which I know the movie's only going to be based off of the first Dune book, but can I just say, what a fine piece of writing that was. What's the second Dune book about? That's the, what is it, uh, Children of Dune. I don't, I mean, spoiler. The book is like 50 billion years old. Yeah, but, you know. Jog my memory, because I can't remember. I, I know what happens in book three, because that's, that's, when, that's when the dude becomes the sandworm. But <laughs> shh, shh, that never happened. Uh, Children of Dune is a couple years after Paul becomes the emperor and he walks into the desert and the, you know, basically Dune has begun its ecological shift and there's a bunch of Fremen that are living without still suits. Just getting tanned, sitting out, catching rays, having a pina colada. Yeah, but it's, uh... You know, like the planet is becoming more livable. And Alia has, um, you know, the, the one that's watching Paul's kids, uh, mm-hmm. she's succumbed to the abomination. That's right. Basically being possessed by an ancestor, I think, is how they explained it. Yeah, that's right. And they realize that if they continue their terraforming, uh, the sandworms will all die, which would, in a sense, put an end to the spice. And, you know, civilization. I remember that. That's right. That's right. That's how they bring back uh, Vladimir Harkonnen, because it, it, he's the one that uh, that takes yeah. over Alia. Yeah. And, and if a- you recall, uh, Vladimir Hark- Harkonnen was Lady Jessica's father, so technically Paul's grandfather. Isn't that the one where, uh, what's his face, um, Duncan Idaho comes back as a zombie? Yeah, uh, well, no, he he prov- he re- goes back to Arrakis and, and provokes Stilgar into killing him. Yeah. Oh, is it in the third one where he comes back as a zombie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, a science zombie. The first Dune is a really good science fiction book. The second Dune, it's, you know, like Frank Herbert reached over and, and, and toked a couple times. And then the third one's where he takes a deep breath. Hey, man, becoming a giant worm monster with a human face, that's just funny. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people become call the that worms, Tuesday, man. you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, you know what? I screwed up. It's not Children of Dune. It's Dune Messiah. Dune Messiah. Yeah, that's that's 12 years or 13 years after Dune, something like that. And, and Paul's become the emperor. And you call yourself a Dune fan. How dare you? How dare you? I never got into the sequels as much as I got into the original. Take the out original your card. Phenomenal. Where, where's your Dune? Where's your okay. Dune lovers card? Where's your Dune lovers card? I want you to take it out and I want you to rip it up. I want you to rip it up. You're right. This is the one where Duncan comes back as a like a Duncan zombie. That's right. And it's the third one where he comes back and and uh, provokes Stilgar. There you go. Well, okay. So uh, I did a little reading uh, from the library. I picked up uh, Superman. Earth One, which was a weird little experiment they were doing, and it's unfortunate because it kind of didn't finish. But it was this thing where they were doing where they would give writers basically instead of like a comic book, they'd give them an entire graphic novel to tell a story, and it would be a story about a pre existing character, but Earth One was its own thing. So there wasn't like continuity. I don't know. They were all interesting, but like none of them really grabbed me because I've read the I've read a, a lot of them. But Superman was the one I liked the most, and it, it it ends after the third one, and they don't really 
resolve anything, which is kind of crappy. But I was, I, yeah, I was digging where it was going because it, um, it's about Clark, uh, you know, right after he moves to uh, Metropolis and he gets a job at the Daily Planet. And he, you know, it's just kind of about the early days of Superman and what that means. And, you know, like it's, uh, it's an interesting story. It's interesting because he, he ends up kind of sort of getting a, it starts as possibly a girlfriend, but then it turns into a girl friend, <laughs> girl space friend, if that makes sense. And, uh, yeah, it's just about, you know, but it's not Lois and it's, you know, kind of weird seeing him like dating. Cause I, I don't know if that ever came up in the show, but like in all the retellings, you know, you just never see. Clark well, I'm not date. surprised that Clark firmly got friend zoned. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean that 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 is expected, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I wasn't really. It, it it's just. Well, no, it was his own damn fault because he's you know he's got to keep his secrets, so he's kind of aloof and and he gets friend zoned basically because he's a little aloof. It always seemed like it was going somewhere, but it never really got anywhere in three volumes. I don't know. I, I, I wish they had like told uh, JMS that he, you know, you we'll give you one more, but you kind of like have to wrap it up. And the same thing with Batman. Batman, I think, only got two volumes. And, and Batman was interesting because Batman, uh, Batman was just a rich man beating up, uh, uh, you know, poor people. Like, because, you know, he, he's trying to solve a crime and he's bad at it. He has Gordon do all the legwork for him because he's not a good detective. He talks about that in the first one. And it's it's kind of trying to say something but then it never really goes there because they only had two issues to or two volumes to do anything with and it was just never quite enough to make it work at least dc's trying some new stuff i'll give them that yeah yeah no they always that they're pretty good about their elseworld stuff every time marvel tries their hand at it they always kind of make it just kind of like a poor man's whatever oh, you mean like, like zombie x-men yeah yeah or that like whole thing was so weird Hey, the zombie show's doing big numbers on TV. We should make all of our world zombie worlds. The one I didn't like was uh, Spider-Man Rain, because it was basically uh, The Dark Knight Returns, but Spider-Man. <laughs> I did like uh, I did like Spider-Man Noir. That was cool. Yeah, that was well. Yeah, that was one where they were trying to just do something like somebody. I don't know. Uh, yeah, usually Marvel screws it up, but you're right. Noir, the Noir ones were good. I like Spider-Man Noir. That reminds me, I need to read X-Men Noir. i got to see if they have that. I'm not at all opening up the library website. Continue on. All right, well, let's switch to video games, Robert. What have you been playing? Uh, Gene and me have been playing the WoW Classic off and on. I was telling you, I was telling you, you need to log into that because you just missed something incredibly important to that WoW Classic and that, War- that Warcraft experience, actually, just overall. You missed guild drama. It was so, it was, it brought me back. I'm like, oh yeah, guild drama. I forgot about that. Uh, well, why can't we just all be cool people? Come on. But yeah, we had several uh, people in our guild up and quit because all of his plebes weren't leveling fast enough. <laughs> so they wanted to go join another guild that was doing level 60 stuff because we were taking too long. Oh, heaven forbid that we all have lives that we didn't have 20 years ago. So anyway, but yeah, yeah, you missed uh, you missed the guild drama, man. You missed the guild drama. It's it's important. It's important to that WoW experience. It appears to be over now. So, no. But I got to level. What am I now? Level thirty eight. I'm level thirty eight now. It's been going slower, and I'm not going to have money to buy a cool robot chicken to ride on in two levels, which is going to be kind of sad and pathetic. How much does that cost? One hundred gold. I think I have like three gold. I am currently sitting on about 22, 
but every time I hit an even level, I have to buy skills that get increasingly expensive. And the level 40 skills are about a buck, a gold 50 each. And I've got seven of them at level 40 to buy, I think. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. It racks up. It racks up. They keep you poor. They keep you poor. Speaking of which, you need to log in because I sent you a bunch of stuff and it came back to me, which means you haven't logged in forever. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I've been so busy with other stuff. And then there, a new airplane came out in DCS, so I've been dedicating myself to learning that. Yeah, well, you know what, Jonathan? The world is more important than video games. The world of Warcraft. There's so much wrong with that last statement. <laughs> they don't have X-Men Noir at my, my library. The hell really, is that? all the things that they don't have. I know. It's upsetting. I'm genuinely surprised by that. Yeah, they have Spider-Man. It's Given right everything else that they've had that you've gotten. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Say la vie. And, of course, uh, I, I showed you pictures of it, but, uh, yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Dragon Quest Builders. Uh, the project I, I was talking about in the last episode I've uh, got started on in earnest, and uh, I am uh, making Castle Ravenloft, and it's been going pretty well, actually. The scale I chose to do it at has been uh, has been working out well just to have space enough to do things, but... The problem is uh, because because Castle Ravenloft's map has a lot of like walls that are just dark lines on the grid paper, you know, and obviously a block building game works in blocks. Like I've had to like adjust proportions as I've been going and as I've been getting higher, those proportions that I've adjusted have uh, have caused problems. Things as I'm getting taller are getting a little, little bit more, you know, off kilter. But luckily I'm at the point where I've only got like one or two floors left and then, you know, I'll be done. So. <sighs> but yeah, it's coming along. It looks really pretty. I keep posting videos. Yeah, or you, you pic- keep sending me pictures. And they all look good. Yeah, I, I post them on Facebook too, and like like uh, people want videos of it and exploring the interior, which which gave me I I don't know when we'll get around to it, but I was thinking uh, maybe we should do a commentary and post it to our patrons first, and then uh, you know put it up on YouTube like a week or two later or something. But yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, and, and we could like go through the adventure room by room and just sort of talking about it. Because what's interesting about the design of that castle is uh, my wife got really into Downton Abbey, which means I watched a fair amount of Downton Abbey kind of like by osmosis. It's it's pretty cool, like because uh, the layout of Downton Abbey, the rich people, the 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 the, nob- the nobility that live there, uh, their world is very separate <laughs> from the, uh, the their servants. And there's like secret passages and stuff, but like, you know, cause you hear places with secret passages, but they full on had them. It was just, that's where the servants go, you know, because they don't want servants walking the halls. Cause it might obstruct your view of all your awesomeness. You know, why would you want to look at a maid? So they just have random doors that go behind things and sn- sneak down the house in narrow staircases. Like, you know how, how, like when you have fancy food, it gets served to you on a silver platter. That's because in a lot of those houses, the kitchen was like miles away from the dining room because kitchens are smelly and, and dirty and kind of gross, especially back in the day when you didn't have refrigeration, you know, and, and you were possibly slaughtering animals down there and cutting them up. That's what I like to call a party. Right. Well, I mean, in medieval times, it was a thing. So, yeah, like the kitchen, the kitchen in Castle Ravenloft is so far away. Can you not <laughs> from say medieval times? Because when you said that, the only thing I could think about was uh, that scene in Cable Guy. I actually haven't seen Cable Guy. <laughs> You've never ever. seen Cable Guy? No, I've never seen Cable Guy. I've seen bits of it. I, I caught like the end of it on the radio tower on like HBO one night, and I just never it. 
the climax of the movie didn't really grab me, so I never bothered watching the whole thing. Let me just tell you, that is a criminally underrated dark comedy. Maybe I'll have to give it another go. I've already got, I, I still have Lockout I haven't watched yet, so I can't I can't watch too many of the random movies. Oh, I can't believe you haven't watched it yet, so we can talk about it. I, I know, I, it's just children. We've all been sick. The plague went through the house. Uh, last weekend, me and Awen got sick, and then the weekend after that, everybody else in the house got sick, so I was, you know, playing Nurse Lundgren, like, the whole whole weekend, sort of, not really, but I, I had a lot to do just keeping an eye on everything, so. <sighs> yeah. It's just been a rough couple of weeks. Uh, well, uh, a whole lot of Apex uh, Legends Season 3, because Season 3 came out. Uh, I really like the new character, and the the new map is genuinely entertaining and interesting. That's really cool. They had the Spyro Collection and the Crash Bandicoot Collection for sale. Um, yeah, yeah, you were downloading uh, them while we were doing recording the last episode, actually. Yes, yes. So I've been playing a lot of those, and let me tell you, A, I forgot how difficult crash bandicoot was as a platformer it's got some teeth in it i like that yeah, yeah um, actually. and i'd forgotten how charming spyro was i've been thoroughly enjoying my little trip through through nostalgia through playstation one nostalgia but they're all dudded up and they look really nice um did something that i don't think i ever did when the first time i played through spyro 20 years ago i 100 percented the first world <laughs> so nice. yeah I'd say it's uh it's definitely hitting the the must collect them all bug in me. I 100%ed the whole game back in the day and I I I think I got like a better ending. I don't remember. I don't remember what I got. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that that's what's going to happen this time. Uh Sp- uh, uh Crash Bandicoot. I'd forgotten what a tough platformer it was. And how how silly and fun it was. Like the first time you jump on that warthog and it starts squealing. It's good times. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, a uh, new air cr- airplane came out in DCS World. Uh, we got the F-16 Block 20 Viper. It says F-18 on your notes. Oh, I might have mistyped, but it's the F-16. It's the F-16 Viper, also known as the uh, Fighting Falcon. Oh, that plane. Okay. Yeah. So I have been basically reliving Iron Eagle. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I'm like, isn't that the Iron Eagle plane? <laughs> that is, in fact, the Iron Eagle plane. Although those were not U.S. Air Force F-16s. Iron Eagle was shot. Uh, and the reason that the bad guys are flying uh, mirages is because Iron Eagle was shot in Israel with the Israeli Air Force. Mm-hmm. The uh, Air Force wasn't too keen on a story about somebody breaking into an Air Force base and stealing an F-16. Go figure. So they no. were not cooperative with uh, with filming. Nice, nice. All right, Robert. Well, let's move on to movies now. Um, what have you been watching? Movies and TV, I should say. So the the girl wanted to watch something creepy, and it's really hard finding. Okay, so here's the weird thing. Here is the weird thing. My girl wants to watch eight year old wants to watch horror movies, and I'm like, oh, you're way too young for horror movies, dear. You're way too young for horror movies. When I was your age, I was watching. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Because <laughs> I saw A Nightmare on Elm Street during Christmas break when I was in second grade. I remember that. And uh, I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm I'm such a hypocrite. And I'm like, should I let her watch Nightmare on Elm Street? And I'm like, no, no, that movie is terrible. And it, it, it messed me up for a long time. <laughs> the 80s were such a magical time yeah it was a weird time man it was a weird time how how it was okay that i i think that's also around the time i watched the original fly was right oh man the fly will mess you up too yeah, yeah. that is an 
and it's a crazily screwed up movie. I, I can't I can't watch it as an adult. It, it makes me physically ill because I'm one of those. I can't watch body. I know horror. you've got some body dysmorphia stuff. Yeah, not just just body horror just really gets to me, you know, like like ah, yeah, like I I dis, District Nine got really got to me. Like I, I I yeah yeah I don't know I don't know. Me and me and body horror aren't aren't friends. You didn't like uh, Vickis turning into the prawn? No, no. It, it wasn't that he turned into a prawn, which is outlandish and stupid. It's just uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just hate being sick and and all that. Like what, whatever fear body horror taps into, it it just really works on me. That's not body dysmorphia. I don't, I don't like, that's not it, but it's just like, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't like being sick <laughs> and just movies that remind me of being sick. Who does? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Body horror just gets to me, man. It just gets to me, which is weird. Like one of my fondest memories is, uh, movies is like Dreamcatcher of all things, which oh, is a long God, story, that that I'm not, which is a long story. I'm not going to get into here. Uh, no, actually, you know, it's not a long story. I could share it. So uh, when I was in my early college years, I had a really, really, really long-term girlfriend, and we broke up, and uh, a buddy of mine just said, hey, we should go out to a movie because, you know, what else are you going to do? You're just going to be sad and alone at your house, and I'm like, what are we going to go watch? And he's like, well, I kind of want to see the Animatrix in front of uh, Dreamcatcher, so why don't we go watch Dreamcatcher in theaters on opening night? (laughs) And that is what we did. Oh, I wanted to like that movie because I'd read the book. Yeah, yeah. I can't like that movie. Yeah. It's so bad. I, I like that movie for purely not that movie's fault, but just watching that movie reminds me of a, of a good buddy that made sure I got out of the house and, you know, wasn't just sad in my house all night after I broke up with my ex. With That's, a really nice. That's a that good homie. That was a good homie. I, and I bought the stupid movie on DVD for the same reason. And I still own it. And I, I don't think I've cracked it out and watched it in over a decade, but I still have it. And when that's I, the right thing to do in this situation, <laughs> when I, when I, when I pruned my collection, when I was moving and stuff, I, I was like, should I get rid of this? I'm never going to watch it. And and I was just like, yeah, but you know what? It's It's got sentimentality. So no, I keep it. And every so often I pull it out and think of my homie. And then I, I go like, okay, and I'm not going to watch this film now. <laughs> it, it, there's so much wrong with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So I was trying to think of movies that she could watch. And uh, she came up with uh, The Addams Family. So we ended up watching The Addams Family movies because she had a long weekend last weekend. They they had like teacher conferences and stuff for like two days. So she had a four-day weekend. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'd lo- I forgot how much I love The Addams Family movies. Those movies are great. <laughs> the Raul Julia just steals the show. Yeah, 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 he do. And and just like I remember, I remember when those movies came out. It's kind of funny because, like, you, you, if you read about the history of the Adams Family, they were made because they're supposed to be, like, a uh, satire on uh, suburban living, you know? So uh, so it's like that's why they're all creepy and weird because, you know, they're supposed to be the opposite of suburban living. And then on top of that, Morticia and Gomez are actually in love. And I'm like, what is that saying about suburban living that Morticia and Gomez are the ones that are madly in love with each other and all the other weirdo suburbanites of the 1940s aren't? I, I'm not sure what he's trying to say there, Charles Adams. But yeah, that's a little dark if you think about it, if you go down that rabbit hole. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I realized that I saw that movie, I want to it came out in 91. So I was 12. And, you know, like a lot of my concept of how to have a good relationship is actually built out of the, out of Morticia and Gomez, which is weird, you know? Like I, I just realized that 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 was because you know my parents had divorced by then, so that was my like role model was Morticia and Gomez Adams. <laughs> and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. 
But yeah, we watched both of the movies, and that was fun. And uh, I told Eowyn that uh, my because I I had a mad crush on uh, Christina Ricci at that age, and I, I told her that uh, if uh, if I didn't get Eowyn, my second go to name was uh, was Wednesday. And uh, but you know I never had another girl, so I never got to uh, to fight for that one. No. <laughs> so anyway, that uh, so watching those led me into kind of like this weird spiral where I found out that this uh, comedian. Uh, named Melissa Hunter did a YouTube series called Adult Wednesday Adams. It it is what it says on the wrapper. It was you know Wednesday Adams growing up and leaving the house for the first time and getting roommates and just being dark and weird, but in more suburban situations, I guess you know like getting roommates, first you know boyfriend and when you're <laughs> <on your own laughs> type of thing. that sounds amazing. She had to take it down because the Adams estate, uh, you know, wasn't too happy about her, you know borrowing their intellectual property and not paying them for it. <laughs> but funny how uh, that works out. Funny how that works out. But um I found it on YouTube like a couple of people have, you know, pirated it and reposted all of it cuz she had to take it off of her YouTube page officially. But uh yeah, it was it's it was surpri- it was pretty dark and and some of them were some of them were downright brilliant, a couple of them were pretty obvious, but there were a few that were just sort of dark and awesome, and, and I highly recommend. If you, if you have 40-odd minutes to kill, it's not a bad way to kill those 40 minutes. And uh, do you have any movies? Because I've got a killer finale to my movie watching, and I want to save it. Yeah, uh, we did watch some movies. Uh, we watched Spider-Man Far From Home, and that was awesome. Really enjoyed that. It was interesting. I, Without going into spoilers too much, I thought it was... Uh, very interesting how it mirrored a lot of the uh, plot points of Iron Man 3. Hmm. I hadn't looked at it from that angle. I haven't seen Iron Man 3 since it came out. Uh, go watch Iron Man 3 and then go watch Far From Home. Tell me what you think. Uh, pass, because I'll have Disney Plus in three weeks. And I'll just wait for that. God, I can't wait for The Mandalorian. Yeah. Tell me about it. It looks so dirty good. Yep. 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 Um, and then we... Um, I... Uh, while I was doing other things, hardlined Carnival Row. I watched all eight episodes in a row across two days. Nice. Yeah, I'm still. I haven't watched an episode since I talked about it last. So, uh, so good. Really enjoyed it. I, 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 I just the last episode we watched was the one where they did the extended flashback uh, to the war. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was interesting. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard it gets a lot better after that point. So it does. It does. I think it's I think it's interesting that it's basically uh, you you could basically call it Shadowrun early century. <laughs> That's true. Although it's not on Earth, it's in its own sort of fantasy world. So. No, it's in its own place, but still, come on, it's Shadowrun. Yeah, it's true. To a point, Shadowrun uh, early industrial. Do they do they go more into the pact? I'm actually kind of curious about the pact. Uh, not so much. Okay, that's not fine. so much. Just just enough to make you curious. And they, they, they highlight a couple of interesting things about them that, that I think there's a long-term vision there that's obviously going to come into play, but, the, but we're not there yet. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, my opinion on it is it has a very interesting story, or it has a very interesting world, which is why I keep watching, but I'm not too sure about the story. So if the story pays off later, that's good, because I'm going to still keep watching it. I'm just, yeah, I'm not, like, hooked. Like, it didn't do a thing where it, like, got me yet. Although, like, Scruffy... 30 something Legolas is kind of amusing. Like that's growing on me very quickly. Uh, I like it. I, I like where it's going. It's yeah. It's yeah. Well, but he, you know, he's like Orlando Bloom. Like he was such a pretty boy for such a long time and he's gotten like older. And now that he's just kind of older, sort of grizzled 
Orlando Bloom, like grizzled Orlando Bloom works. If you told me Legolas could pull off grizzled, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought it, but yeah, just kind of angry, <laughs> angry, growly Orlando Bloom intimidating people too, like giving him the stare. Like he can do the stare, you know? No, he's got that down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, I was shocked as I was watching. I'm like this, this, that man, like I, I did not give Orlando Bloom enough credit. Like I just thought he was a pretty boy, you know? Then you really do need to continue watching because that's going to pay off for you. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. No, no. Like I said, like I said, I, I was interested in the world. The characters weren't doing a ton for me, but I, I, I didn't hate them. I just, they weren't, it hadn't grabbed me yet, but the world was interesting enough. I, I wanted to keep going and I didn't, I, I just stopped because we were playing World of Warcraft and then my wife got sick and she just sleeps on the couch and I play Dragon Quest Builders all night. It's fun. Well, I want to talk about it on the show with you. So I need you to finish it. Well, plead to my wife to finish it because if she wants to finish it, that'll definitely happen. Gina, Gina, can you please help me here? I need to talk to Robert about this. So I need you to be on board with him getting excited about Grizzle Orlando Bloom. <laughs> I mean, really, according to my wife, Jessica, uh, there's a lot for you there, too. Just saying. Hubba hubba. <laughs> I'm appealing to a higher nature there. And what else have you been watching? Uh, what else have I been watching? Um, started on season two of Man in the High Castle. It's been too long. I can't believe I just let it sit there as long as I have. Uh, really been enjoying that, but I have to take my time on that one because that's one that I... It's such a deep show that I can't be doing something else i need to concentrate on it it's it's uh it's hard to mainline like uh just like penny dreadful was and finally um i the other day i i grabbed a a disc that i had not watched in quite some time and i watched me some 30 days of night i've never seen that one either you need to go on the library website right now and toss that in there because it is a really pretty film and i think criminally underrated uh, Gina doesn't like horror movies, but during uh, during Halloween, she's kind of forced to. So, yeah, I will just do that. Why not? That seems like a good thing to spend my uh, my Halloween movie credit on. I've been meaning to watch that one forever anyway. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it, and it, it is very nicely shot, very nicely put together. Josh Hartnett, dealing with vampires, being a werewolf. I mean, the guy's uh, he's obviously got some, some horror uh, enjoyment in him. All right, so I, I got two things left. One... Uh, because, uh, Eowyn, I don't, I, I, she really liked Gomez. Like she thought Gomez and Morticia were really cool and she really liked Wednesday as well, but she, she thought Gomez was particularly funny. And we were talking about how we were talking about Raul Julia and you know how he died and it's very sad. And, uh, and then it, it brought up his last role that he was in. And, uh, and my daughter actually expressed interest in watching street fighter. Oh, this is glorious. I'll yeah. watch it too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we need to, you know what? That's the movie we need to do a commentary track on. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I could, but I'd be lying. I would be lying. Anyway, so I've got that on whole, uh, it, you know, what sucks. So I went to the library and it was not there. on streaming. I, I couldn't find it. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. Oh, you have to have stars. It's on stars right now. I've never wanted to subscribe to stars more than I do right now. I'm just getting it from my local library, sir. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to get that from the local library. Uh, but it sucked. I went there and I was assuming it would be there on Sunday because it had been like in transit for days. And I got there and it wasn't there on hold for me. And I'm very sad. <laughs> and then 
to add insult to injury, sir, uh, I check the website right before I go to bed after, you know, the yesterday, the day I usually go to the library on Sunday. Uh, and it was there. Somebody had shelved it, you know, just after I'd been there. So, you know, ships passing in the night and all that. It's very sad. I could have had it right now, but I guess I'll have to wait till next week, <sighs> which is fine because I still got to watch Lockout. So I got plenty of time. So we couldn't watch Street Fighter. I, I think I mentioned it, but so we decided to to watch another bad movie. So I rented me from the library, and I can't believe no, I I didn't have to wait in line for this. But we watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it was as bad as I remember. <laughs> and that movie has. Very few redeeming qualities, but I will say this. I was watching, uh, I don't know if you've watched uh, Good Bad Flicks yet, uh, but no, the I guy, yeah, the guy who, uh, who hosts that show, you know, did an episode on it and he does raise a good point. Uh, Courtney Solomon, the guy who directed and got that movie released, he, uh, he got the rights to that movie, um, by pestering TSR since he was 19 years old. He somehow managed to get the rights to that movie and then spent the next decade trying to get it put on the film. And then he succeeded. He got the D&D movie released. And, you know, I don't know what you were doing from the age of 19 to 29, but if you didn't get your lifelong, decade-long ambition of making a movie out of Dungeons and Dragons or whatever it is you love, uh, you're obviously not as dedicated and as cool as Courtney Solomon. So we will give that boy, or we'll give that dude some credit. He made his movie. He, he lived his dream, man. He like peaked at 29 and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but he did, he did, he did achieve that. And that is something positive to be said about that, that movie. What I really enjoyed about it was, um, Eowyn kind of started getting bored of that movie, but at that point we were in too deep to like not finish it. Cause, <laughs> cause you know, she was like, well, what's going to happen with the dragon rod? And I'm like, well, we should finish watching it and find out. And she's like, I don't know if I want to. And I'm like, well, honey, why don't you start doing what you do when you're watching bad films, which is you just start, you know, doing mystery science theater. And she started making mystery science theater jokes and, you know, she's eight and her sense of humor is a little raw and untested, but she, she did a couple of good zingers there near the end. And I was very proud of her. I actually high fived her. I can't remember for the life of me what she did, but she did a sick burn. And and I was like, you know what? You are truly my daughter because you are enjoying bad film and making fun of it while you watch it. I don't think I've ever loved her more, Jonathan. I, I I don't. That is love. That is love. Yeah. So my daughter, she's uh, she learned it from watching me. <laughs> Who taught you to make fun of people's dreams? You, all right. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> and that is all for me. All right. Well, that only leaves one thing, Robert, and I believe that's board games. Yes. Well, a lot of stuff that we've already talked about. Um, played a few rounds of Horrified and a few rounds of Terror Below. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids really like those, and they kind of fit the theme of Halloween, so that they've been coming out a lot. And then I taught them a new game, which we'll be talking about later today, and that is called Monster Slaughter. <laughs> I don't know why that title amuses me so much, but it's funny. It's cool. It's cool. Have you seen the? Have you seen the cover? No, no. The I'm cover art and the art in general is really cool. But we'll talk about more right later in the episode. I, I'm trying to go in blind because it uh, makes for more spontaneity. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment, Robert, which means it's break time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we return, it'll be time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment. So until then, we'll be back in just a sec. Our very 
are we going to go for a new record of the shortest one? Because <laughs> seven minutes, seven minutes is the record. Oh, man. Let me just tell you, it's not a good time of the year for news. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's really talking yet. Our, our next big news burst isn't going to be until like February, March when Gamma comes around. Eh, yeah. Well, yeah, at least through Christmas. Technically, we're, we're in the holidays now, so everything that's been announced should be on shelves. Yeah, no one's going to announce anything that you can't get at Christmas at this point. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So we're, we're, we're in the news drought section. So let's see. Let's see if we end up in a new. Well, OK, you know what? No, that's a lie. There, there are, as far as I know, two companies that are big enough that they'll just announce stuff because they can. And that is Wizards of the Coast and FFG because they're so big they don't really care about schedules like that. You know? I do have some FFG news. See, there you go. See, I, I've got some Wizards news. So, yeah. All right. Well, we will talk about that in just a few minutes. Come on back now. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ugh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back from that short break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, our segment where we talk about all of the most important news in the tabletop arena, which unfortunately is not going to take us very long because this week their news is very light. <laughs> a little bit. Well, first up, I've got a quick um, a quick announcement from Steamforged. Uh, they are announcing three brand new expansions for the Dark Souls board game. Dark Souls board game's been out for, what, about two years now, I think? Two or three? Sounds about right. I'm not sure, but yeah, that sounds right. So they are releasing a couple of new uh, expansions. You get a character's expansion, which brings six new character types into the game. The Vort of the Boreal Valley, which is a new boss. The Darkroot Basin and the Iron Keep um, are two additional expansions, and those come with a bunch of double-sided tiles for use in any game. All three expansions are due out in November, so just in time for the holidays. So if you've got a, a friend or a family member with the Dark Souls board game, you can get them a whole lot more Dark Souls board game. Cool. That sounds good. There's a bunch of details on the Steamforge website. Next up, something that caught my eye, there is a new wave in the War for Cybertron Transformers collectible card game. <laughs> Go on. I've played the game. The game is fun. It's fun. It's silly fun, but it's fun. Especially the fact that the giant cards are the Transformers and you can flip them over and that changes them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It pleases me to know it. <laughs> well, the War for Cybertron enter, enters its second stage. Uh, it's actually planned out as a trilogy, so we're kind of in the, the center of the story here. And the Autobots might have had the upper hand in the first wave, but the Decepticons are pulling out all the stops as they come in and release... Some of their bigger weapons, like Titan and Trypticon. Ooh. There's going to be a bunch of new packs. Each pack comes with one large character card, one small character card, and six battle cards. 
there's going to be a display that will have a Trypticon pack, which contains one of the Titan-sized Trypticon character cards and three large character cards uh, for his minions. You get minions like Wipeout, Brunt, and Full Tilt. Nice. So when they inevitably get around to, uh, what was the planet one? Unicron? Yeah. When they inevitably get to Unicron, is that just going to be like a table-sized playmat? <laughs> you know, that's not a bad idea. And it's like, when you have to flip it over, that, that game just ends because Unicron just wrecks everybody and turns them into like, you know. Yeah, you could, you, I don't, oh yeah, wait a minute, Unicorn did transform. Unicorn. Unicron. Unicron yeah, did yeah. transform. Remember, he yeah. becomes a giant, like, angel of death thing? Yeah, that talks like Spock, yeah. <laughs> what? He was voiced no, by, was, no, 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 that was Orson Welles. That was Orson Welles. Spock was not Megatron, the other one that he turned into. Uh, Galvatron. Galvatron, that's right. Oh, Transformers movie. That movie was great. You got the touch. You got the power. We license this song, so we're gonna play it 28 times. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care. The Marky Mark cover of that is amazing. I've never heard it. It's in Boogie Nights? Wow. So wait, wait, Marky Mark did a cover of the Transformers song and then he later went on to be in Transformers movies. I think that is your life coming full circle. Well played. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was really good at Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon before the internet ruined it. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I was too. I always enjoyed that. Yeah. I had a a friend. uh, We worked at Walden Books together. We would go and get uh, dinner after our shift at the 24-hour diner down the street, and we would play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon because we were both film buffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that when we were closing the shop. Uh, one of my old managers, Vincent, who lives up here in Portland. I should, like, go high-five that guy. But anyway, yeah, we used to play that when we were closing up shop. Oh, the memories. Oh, borders. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, for yeah. me, it was Walden Books. Oh, bookstores that existed no, in physical No, no, what forms. am I saying? It was B. Dalton. Oh, even better. All right, your turn. <laughs> well, more Wizards news, because they, they make the Transformers game, right? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Wizards has announced a new unset. Do you remember what unsets are, Jonathan, for Magic the Gathering? Not off the top of my head. Uh, They are, there's three of them so far, unglued, uh, unhinged, and unstable. These are the sets where they're joke cards. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You showed me a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went and played in a a un-tournament because it was hilarious and fun. (laughs) Um, So, yes, they've announced a new unset. This one's going to be a little different. Uh, you're going to buy it kind of prepackaged. It's going to come with five 30-card decks that are uh, split up by color. So there'll be, you know, white mana, red mana, black mana, blue mana, green mana. And, uh, yeah, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take any of those two decks and mash them together and play. The decks will have 15 completely new cards, uncards, from the what they are calling the unsanctioned set. And then there'll be 15 reprints from previous unsets. And it's designed to be a little bit more like a board party game, you know, where you, you, you're you playing Magic the Gathering, but you're playing silly Magic the Gathering in sort of pre-constructed decks that you're supposed to mix and match, like uh, Smash Up style, which I think is an interesting take. They've been doing a better job, or it seems like Wizards is trying to uh, penetrate kind of that board gaming market by, by making Magic products designed for a more casual, you know, board gamer thing. So I was, I was thinking this might be up your alley to play with your board gaming friends. I don't know how they feel about Smash Up, but... And it's a little bit more of a party game because it is kind of silly. I got a buddy of mine who loves Smash Up. 
Yeah, well, there you go. So get this and, and yeah, just mash two, two mana colors together and play a wacky game of Magic. I like that idea, you know? Like, it's, it's a good bridge product, I guess, for us filthy casuals. There you go. <laughs> Are you a filthy casual? I am a filthy casual. Yeah, see, there you go. But I, I, they're also releasing uh, another box. I, I, I thought about covering it last time, but I didn't because I, I wanted to see more of it. But there's another box that's more like serious magic, but it's a very similar concept. Like you buy a box and then you just sort of play out of it. And it's designed, yeah, for, for basically board gamers who aren't like the core magic audience, but, you know, maybe want to play magic a little bit more friendly and around the table. Kitchen table magic. Some would argue the best form of magic. But there you go. It's going to have full art lands, silver bordered cards, so you know they're not tournament legal. And it will be released on February 29th, which means, I guess, next year is a leap year, which makes sense. 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 There you go. I like it. I didn't realize next year is a leap year. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize either until the release date was February 29th. All right. You ready for my last story? Yeah. Wow me. Impress me. I have a triple take. From FFG, because they are bringing lots of good Star Wars Armada expansions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First, we're starting to get extended universe ships in uh, Star Wars Armada. We are getting the Nadiri, the Nadiri Starhawk, which is a Starhawk-class battleship, and it was the first capital ship commissioned by the nascent New Republic Defense Fleet after the Battle of Endor. Mm, intriguing. Okay. Yes, I believe that was covered in the Chuck Wendig books. And then we're also getting the uh, Onager class Star Destroyer expansion pack. Oh yeah, that one's goofy. It yeah, looks like it, like a T. It almost looks like a, an elongated regular Star Destroyer, and then it's got that the wide brim at the front. Yeah, like a hammerhead shark. Yeah, of a Star very Destroyer. Much, very much so. Yeah. So both of those are coming to um, uh, Star Wars Armada in the near future, but available now is the Rebellion in the Rim campaign expansion. This is the second campaign expansion they've released for Armada. And what does this do? So it actually brings in like a series of missions that you can play through as a campaign co-op. That's pretty rad. Yeah, this is the second one they've done. It comes with a little game board to track your progress and stuff like that. Bunch of story cards. It's really neat. I dig it. I like it. So there you go. A little triple take from the Fantasy Flight. Cool. And that's it that's it for the news which means it's time for a year in the life this is of course our segment where we look at what we deep dove a year ago and we have uh, some time to talk about it and wow it's been a year but it is time to talk about one of my favorite games again forgot my dice episode 49 you eat people we played fury of dracula mm, what a sexy game that is i love me some fury of dracula what really no. Yes. That's got to be my in my top five. That is in my top five. <laughs> it, it always is. We've done your top five a couple times on this podcast, and, and that always makes it in there somewhere. It, it fluctuates like anything should, but. Yeah, but it's so good. So, so good. Yeah, we were just one episode away from our AMA, which was a lot of fun. I can't wait for episode 100. Yeah, that'll be great. Oh, that was the episode where somebody sent us the pure 80s RoboCop photo of RoboCop choking them in a video store. <laughs> that's will that's yeah will. yeah that, that was fun that was fun we're talking a bit about eberron back then i was watching the good place i need to finish up the good place speaking of which you never finish it 
No, no. Like we we binged all that was available, and then we didn't really start watching the next season. And then NBC changed their app, and now you can't watch stuff like that, which is kind of sad. Yeah, well, everybody's doing the money grab. And uh, yeah, yeah, good times, good times. Oh, and I was talking about miniatures, a miniature company I couldn't think of, and it was Crooked Dice Game Studio. They make a lot of wacky miniatures. They have a miniature game that's like basically based off of 80s TV. So, but you know, they don't hold the license to anything. So they have like not at all Cybermen and not at all Doctor Who and not at all James Bond. Nice. <laughs> I like their miniatures. They're they're kind of dumb, but they're they're the kind of dumb I like. Yeah, the coming the kind of dumb you can get behind. Yeah. Man, I need to play more miniature games. Oh man, that Robocop video. At Video West. I was thinking, waxing nostalgic the other day about my old video store that I used to go to. I, I heard it was going out of business, and I wish I'd like visited and like stolen a, uh, a wall panel because they they had crappy crappy wood veneer. Yes, <laughs> man. There was a place down uh, a mom and pop place down in Ocean Beach, not too far from where I grew up, and it was like maybe five minutes down there, and I always liked it because. Not only did they also rent video games, I used to rent Sega Genesis games there, but whoever was buying their games for them obviously had a subscription to EGM because they were picking up a bunch of really cool stuff that that unless you had insider knowledge, you would not buy. Nice. Yeah, I used to go to a place called uh, Video Depot. I, I, I kind of missed that place. There was a cool dude who worked there who knew my mom would <laughs> let me rent rated R movies. So if he was working, he would let me rent rated R movies, <laughs> oh, <laughs> which was nice. He's, he's doing the Lord's work there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and also, also that guy was a film buff because if there were any, shall we say, questionable rated R movies, he wouldn't let me rent them. Like the, uh, the, 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 the Cinemax movies, I should say. Skinamax, please pronounce it correctly. Yeah, yeah. He wouldn't let me rent those if I tried to sneak them out. He he knew what was up, and and uh, I kind of appreciate that. I mean, I I I didn't at the time, but as an adult, I appreciate that because he knew enough to not let me do that. He's like, no, you like horror. You go back there and rent your horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a cool dude. He's like, there's nothing wrong with watching people butcher each other, but Lord forbid I let you watch Cinemax movies. <laughs> Skinamax. You got to pronounce it correctly. Nah. Anyway, yeah, it was good times. It was it's not time. a silent K. <laughs> we will return in just a few moments, and when we come back, we're going to be deep diving into a really neat monster game just in time for Halloween. I saw it. I saw it. It's at Target. It's at Target. Monster Slaughter was at Target? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, wait, no, I saw Horrified. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, man, no way. I'm sorry. I saw our last one at Target, and I was like, oh, that's the movie, because I was there with my daughter, and she actually overheard that part of the podcast, and uh, she's like, you review games on your podcast? And I'm like, yes, honey, I've only done it 75 times at this point. (laughs) 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 Uh, But yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, see, it was this game, and I showed it to her, and and then she does that little kid like, oh, that kind of dismissive, I don't know why you're talking to me about this old man, oh, that oh that yeah yeah i've been there (laughs) do you have a tabletop board game miniature game or rpg that you're going to release for retail or do you have an upcoming tabletop kickstarter that you're about to launch we would love to interview you for a future episode of the forgot my dice podcast send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview
And welcome back from the break. It is now, of course, time for our final segment of the afternoon slash evening slash morning, depending on when you're listening to us. And that is our deep dive. And in the spirit of October, in the spirit of Halloween, we have another fun monster flavored game to deep dive. Monster Slaughter. Flip the script on 80s horror movies with Monster Slaughter. That's I, I could hear I could hear what's his face Monster Slaughter Arr! coming to get you. <laughs> this time it's your turn to hunt down and slay those insufferable teenagers who took refuge in an abandoned cabin in the woods. You play as the head of a family of monsters, carefully selecting in which order you'll take care of your victims and then begin the slaughter. Monster Slaughter is a tactical game where each player takes control of a family of three monsters, each with their own stats and family power. The retail box has 31 miniatures, nine doors, one cabin, four walls, five grounds tiles, one 3D tool shed, five barricades, 10 dice, 200 tokens, and 102 cards for two to five players. All right, Jonathan, break it down. How does this work? All right, Robert. Well, Monster Slaughter is, as rules go, a pretty straightforward game. One of the neatest things that the game does is that the bottom of the box is actually also part of your play surface. It forms a cabin, and you surround it with game boards that form a ring around this cabin, and that's the outside area, which do count as playable zones uh, for the game, and also uh, contain slots for you to store cards, track rounds, and all that fun stuff. Now, the inside of the box, you're going to put a couple spacers down, and these spacers are in the shape of walls, and they're all handily numbered to make sure that you're constructing the cabin properly, and it forms a cabin with five different rooms. You've got the bedroom, the kitchen, the living room, the bathroom, and most importantly, the water closet or toilet, depending on what country you're from. <laughs> the water closet. Now, when you first look at the bottom of the box, there's a bunch of carved sections out of the sides of the box. And what it turns out is that those are where, where the doors are when they're destroyed. Because monsters don't know how to open doors, Robert. They only know how to smash them. <laughs> so the game comes with a bunch of pre-manufactured doors that are already folded over with the perfect width and glued together so that you can slip them over the hole in the wall and show that there is, in fact, a door there during the game. You also get some barricades that work much the same way, but uh, unlike doors, which only take a single success when you do a, a, a skill test against them, uh, the barricades actually take two, two successes to be able to smash through. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about skill tests in a little bit. So once you have that all together, you form decks of cards for each of the rooms. And those decks of cards are going to be constructed of a variety of different things. Uh, one of the first things that you do is you choose a monster family. Uh, and the monster family consists of the same three units for every family, which is a mother, a father, and a child. But each of the monster factions has some asymmetrical powers that are nascent only to them. And what you do is every one of these has a set of weapons uh, that can be used effectively against them uh, as they are show some weakness to this weapon. And the first thing you'll do is take all the different decks of those weapons and put them together uh, with a bunch of random elements uh, like booby traps and random tools, uh, which we'll talk about how those function in just a little bit. And you shuffle those all together and form different decks in different sizes for each of the rooms. The larger the room, the larger the deck. And these are what you'll be using when you perform search actions and whatnot during the game to um, discover either the, the hiding teenagers inside the house or uh, different tools that you can uh, use to help protect those teenagers. And I'll explain why you'll be protecting them in just a minute. 
Once these decks are formed, you're going to place one different teenager in each room. And I should say, rather than teenagers, I'll call them invited guests because there's some that aren't teenagers. And these guests are kind of the different tropes that you would expect to see in an 80s horror movie. You've got the cheerleader, you've got the jock, you've got a, a, a trucker with his trucker hat, a police officer, things like that. Once everything is all set up and you've got decks for every single room, um, you'll look down and you, there will be nothing on the game board because all of the uh, all of the guests have hidden themselves inside the house somewhere. And you start taking turns. Everybody will place a single one of their monsters down in one of the outside zones surrounding the, the cabin and you'll take... The, a set number of actions. Now, the number of actions differs based on the unit. Moms and dads are allowed two actions each, but kids are hyperactive, so they get three actions per turn. <laughs> but nice. dads only have two actions, but they throw four dice during a skill check. So they're very, very powerful. Moms are, are cunning, so they get three action dice. And kids are weak and small, so even though they get that extra action, they're only tossing two dice when they do a skill check. So so kids are like a quantity over quality. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Makes sense. But everything has its place here. Yeah. Okay. So your actions are, are pretty straightforward. You can move. And moving is basically going from one zone to the next. You can peek. Uh, going, um, there's some rules around peeking, but basically what you can do is you can look at the top card of the uh, deck of cards for any given room and see uh, who's in there. Because when the game first starts, the, uh, the, the victim will always be the top card. Okay, makes sense. You can search, which uh, allows you to, to show the different cards in there. And if you show one of the victims, then you get to place their plastic miniature on the board, showing that they are uh, visible and can be attacked. You can scare them. And what scaring does is allows you to move that plastic miniature from room to room uh, in a way that you want to happen. And that can be setting up plays for, for later in the game. You can smash a door open, or you can attack an exposed uh, victim. That's it for, for actions. Pretty straightforward, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, the reason you want to scare them and herd them sometimes is because at the beginning of the game, everybody gets a tile with each of the, um, each of the victims on it. And you arrange those tiles upside down so that nobody else can see in a hidden order. And that's the order that you think they will be killed in. And if the victim gets killed and you guessed where in that order they get killed in, then you get bonus points towards the end of the game. And that's a big reason why it's important to be able to scout the rooms and to also be able to herd them into your traps. Make sense? It, it has to be in like that specific order. So if- Exactly. So let's say that the cheerleader's in the game and yeah. the cheerleader is the first to get killed. If in your upside-down tokens you had the cheerleader in the first position, you were going to get three bonus points at the end of the game. Huh. Okay. Weird. It's interesting. It's another layer of strategy that gets placed into the game. Right. A little morbid, but whatever. I like it. (laughs) Now, what's interesting is everybody gets the number of actions on their card plus one free movement action per round, and then the different species get different bonuses. For instance, aliens do not have to deal with doors. They have faster-than-life travel, so they get a free smash action per turn. Werewolves, on the other hand, are especially fast, so they get two free moves instead of just one. This means that all the different factions are going to play in in their own distinct style. 
Now, remember how I told you that there's a bunch of weapons in the game, uh, and some of them are tuned to the specific families that are uh, attacking the cabin? Yeah, yeah. Now, if you choose the attack option and are attacking uh, one of the victims on the board, the other players have an option of adding to them a card that is a weapon and helping to defend them. And those weapons add to your dice pool uh, a bunch of dice that the survivors get to throw, which basically cancel out your successes. And the ones that are specifically tuned against your family get a one-die bonus on top of the all, all, you know already negative aspects of it. Interesting. So you've mentioned this a couple times, just out of curiosity. What, what are the monster families? All right, so the ones that come in the core box are, my personal favorite, the werewolves. Yeah, of course you'd like You get them. zombies, vampires, mummies, maniacs. Think, um, oh, what's that horror movie? It got remade. They're all a bunch of mutants out in the desert. Hills Have Eyes? Yeah, Hills Have Eyes. Think, think Hills Have Eyes. Okay. Uh, golems and aliens. Go- golems. Are we talking Frankenstein? Yeah, basically. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But you can't call them that. Right. So they're golems. They're golems. Hold up. Okay. I'm looking at miniatures now. Ah, Mom werewolf is a little red riding hood. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The golems are totally not Frankenstein. Got it. Now, on top of that, all the different party guests are also going to have unique asymmetric abilities uh, that make them harder to kill in certain situations. For instance, Brittany, the cheerleader, uh, is tenacious. So she automatically cancels a success out of a monster's role. Versus somebody like Bob, uh, who always ejects his opponents after an attack, provided that he's still alive. Ejection means that the monster gets pushed out of the room that they were in into another room. Basically means they have to burn an action to get back. So that, That's just the basics. You're trying to kill people in a specific order. Yeah, that's the basics. So, so you mentioned that there's these extra guests, because it looks like the, the base game ships with five people. And but then they have some extra guests who are not at all various horror. Well, that's that, that's the cool thing. So the the game supports two to um, is it two to four or two to five? Two to five. The base game supports two to five people, but it ships with seven different monster families. That's part of the variation that you get to to create. Uh, the game always is only going to have five guests, but it ships with uh, one two three ten guests, which again is part of the variation. You only get nine rounds in a game because the game starts at midnight and it ends at 8 a.m. Okay. Uh, and so that means you're going to move each of your monsters only three times because you're only going to get to activate one monster per round. Okay. Makes sense. So that means you have to, you have, to have some serious, serious action economy. And the surprise guests um, are, are triggered by the Nocturnal Events card. And the Nocturnal Events cards uh, come out at the end of every single round once everybody has moved one of their monsters. Sometimes they can be positive to the monsters. Sometimes they can be positive to the to the guests. Interesting. So I'm I'm looking all at all of them. There's a police officer guy, a not at all Ghostbuster, a not at all, not all Ash Doc Brown, not at all Doc Brown, not at all Ash Williams from The Evil Dead. No, not at all. Not at all. And what's the last one look like? Not at all Indiana Jones. Yeah, not at all Indiana Jones. <laughs> okay, that's random, but I like it. I could dig it. I like the art style. Yeah, the art style is super cool. The minis look nice, too. The minis are great. Everything about this game is great. The production value is off the charts. Yeah, people aren't paying to listen to me look at minis. Okay, so 
So we've talked a bit about the rules of the game, Jonathan. How's the rule book? The rule book's fantastic. Uh, setup's a blast, and it's easy. It details out all the different things that the characters can do. It details out all the things that the different guests can do. And it, it took a single reading of the rulebook to completely understand the game. Anything off in the game? No, not at all. Um, it, it's, it's a series of, of, of layers of puzzles, right? The first layer of the puzzle is um, the action economy, right? You have to be very, very economical uh, in how you do things. The second layer is how you produce cards um, that help to defend the, uh, the guests so that you can kill them in your order. Uh, the third layer of the puzzle is the, the, the different order mechanics in terms of um, you know, ordering the guests. For instance, one of the nocturnal events uh, that comes out, and there's, there's quite a few more nocturnal events that you can play in any one game, uh, is to reorder your guests which is kind of interesting because that comes up in the middle of the game. So you've got a better feeling about who's going next. Because at the end of the game, all the scoring is based off point salad. Every time you do a wound against a guest, you get a marker, and that marker's worth two points each. If you deal the fatal blow to a guest, you get an additional marker that's a bone, and that's worth two points. If you get the order of their death correctly, you've predicted it, so you get a brain token, that's worth three points. You also have the opportunity to dictate one of the guests as your favorite meal. And if you happen to be the one that kills them, you get an extra five points. You get a point for breaking doors as well. So it behooves you to be the one to smash through the door. So all these different things are adding up to your score. Um, plus, there are some modifiers that can occur during the game based on cards. So there's, there's, a, there's several different layers here, all acting as a, a, a bit of a combat puzzle. And they, they all interact really, really well. Okay, so the game says two to five players. Uh, what have you played it at? I played it at two, three, and four. And I will say this. It works best with the higher number of players. Because there's more of that interplay using the cards to help defend the different guests. At two players, since everybody has so few rounds, uh, everybody's more concerned about ca- kind of keeping to themselves. But the, when you put a bunch of players on the board and they're all feasting on the same five people, suddenly you get a lot more interplay. And it behooves people to defend those guests more. Any one last thing you want to say about this game before we wrap this deep dive up? Well, b- before I say that my, my, my final thoughts, I'll say this as well. Um, it also comes with a scenario book, and each of the scenarios is a specific model that you set up the game uh, to play as. And that gives a lot of variety as well, because these scenarios are very, very different from one another. And they actually each come with a bunch of tokens as well uh, that let you modify the game and sometimes modify what you're trying to do in the game. So it gives you a lot of additional gameplay beyond the core game rules. Now, one, one of the things I love about this game is its table presence. It's amazing when you get it all set up and you look down at the, the table and you've got this three-dimensional cabin. Uh, and you've got all these great minis crawling around it, and the the setup of the board is exquisite. Everything has a place, and it just looks beautiful and clean and really well put together. And the game, then then to have this beautiful, wonderful game on top of it that's super easy to teach and learn, but has some really good, interesting, deep puzzles. It's great. I had such a blast with this game, and I cannot wait to play it again. It's so much fun. Yeah, it definitely helps that the theme is right up my alley and one of the things I like, but there is a really, really fun game underneath it as well. Oh, I just thought of a question. The monster families, you said they had different powers. Like, can you give me some examples? Well, I'm assuming you played the werewolves every single time, so what do they do? Uh, the werewolves get the extra space, remember? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. So, like, a couple other examples are um, the maniacs are so terrifying that it hurts to look at them. When a maniac reveals a victim, they automatically injure the poor soul. 
<laughs> nice. Uh, the golems are strong and dangerous beyond belief. They have one additional action die when attacking. Vampires are very stealthy. They have one additional action die when searching a room. I wish that I had been in the Kickstarter because there were a bunch of really cool extra things in the Kickstarter that now I really, really wish I had. Or in the second Kickstarter for the sequel game. You suck. Yeah, which I, t- I, know, I totally missed both of them. I'm totally bummed out about that. I'm glad that I discovered the game. That's Monster Slaughter by Ankama Board Games. Available now probably everywhere from the looks of it. Poking around the I think internet. so. I, I saw it at my friendly local game store. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 73 of the Forgotten Land Dice podcast. Once again, we always ask you to join us on all of our digital domains and come have some fun with us. We'd love, love to hear from you. And that means there's only one thing left right. Any final thoughts? I've been in dereliction of my duties. Usually I think about something and, and keep it on the back burner, but I kept saying things. Well, then that means there's only one final thing to do on this episode, Robert. And that is to be excellent to one another and party on. Party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 